Welcome to the Line Cool Podcast. A tennis show presented by Hector and Toby. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode four of the Line Cool Podcast. I'm Toby. How you doing, Hector, mate? I'm really good, mate. I'm really good. It's been an absolutely great week again. I really did not think we were going to get another week like this, especially after such an amazing week in um, in Monte Carlo to have such a great week of just amazing quality tennis again it was it's a treat to be honest it's been a busy week in the tennis world we had uh the barcelona atp 500 tournament uh, we had the serbia open in belgrade and then then on the women's side there was uh the wta 500 in stugart indoor clay tournament bit of a rarity that one but um all three of them good tournaments um I, before we get on to talking about those this week, I think we should discuss the big news in tennis, which is the ban at Wimbledon for all Russian and Belarusian players. Uh, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago when it was reports that this may happen. Um, but Medvedev, Rublev and all other Russian and Belarusian players have been banned from Wimbledon this year and subsequently all other English tournaments as well. The All England Club is the first to issue this type of blanket ban, um, irrespective of whether the player denounces Putin as what was previously believed to be the case. Um, In their statement, the All England Club announced that it would be unacceptable for the Russian regime to derive any benefits from the involvement of Russian or Belarusian players at Wimbledon this year. Uh, What have you made of all of this, Hector? Um, So... To be, yeah, to be frankly honest with you, I, I, it's a really, really difficult one because, you know, it's it's fraught with controversy. Anyone who has an opinion on this situation is going to be wrong. I think anyone who, who airs their honest opinion, whether it agrees with Wimbledon or whether it disagrees, someone is going to probably be offended by that opinion, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think it's completely unnecessary. And that might be from a, a skewed point of view as a um, as a fan. And in in tennis, you know, at the moment we have two top ten players um, from Russia in the ATP, in the uh, ATP top ten rankings, and um, one top ten player in, in um, Arena Sabalenka from Belarus. And they're all not going to be playing in Wimbledon, and that makes it less of an enjoyable, you know, fan experience. They're great players to watch, um, but. I know I know this situation is bigger than tennis but personally I don't see what they're gaining from doing it if 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 you know what I mean Yeah I I do understand what you're saying and I have to say up until recently you know I've been reading a few different opinions this week on, on what people have had to say about the matter and actually I I think I'm, I'm siding on the side of Wimbledon actually and I think back in their decision um yeah obviously as a tennis fan you can definitely understand why you'd want the best players in the world to be playing at the biggest tournament but and you can't argue against the fact because there's a lot of people who are arguing like you know this is unfair that was the state um the ATP the WTA made um you know Rublev has said he's willing to donate all his winnings to charity if he plays uh, the Belarusian Tennis Association has threatened to take legal action um, to defend the rights of their players. 
And I don't think you can argue. I mean, Andrew Castle made a very good point about this on LBC the other day. And he said, you can't argue that it's discrimination because it is discrimination. But is this discrimination justified? And I think it is. I don't think when you look at everything, all the horrible things going on in the Ukraine right now, all those horrible images and reports coming out of there, you can't let Russia have anything, have any kind of success or let them have any sort of benefits they had prior to that invasion of the Ukraine. And it is discrimination, but, and it's no fault of Medvedev, it's no fault of Rublev or any of these Russian players or Belarusian players, but I think in this situation, it is justified. You can't, I know they don't play for Russia, but you can't let the, Russia derive any sort of success from sport, from arts, from culture at this time when there's these atrocities going on in the Ukraine. I, I don't think it's right. So, yeah, I I think this is justified, and I I, I think there's going to be a lot of backlash, and there already has been a lot of backlash. But when you kind of take out the tennis element of it and you look at the human side of it, I think it's the right decision, and I think. No, Wimbledon have been brave. The All England Club have been brave by making this decision, but it is justified. Yeah, no, I can, I, I can, I can see, I can definitely see where you're coming from there because, um, you know, obviously I probably, probably still feel the same way about it, but I do, I do understand that you do have to make a stand in order for things to happen. You know, for change to you know, for change to come on, then you really need to start doing these, you know, big, bold moves. But also one one thing that I thought about it was, um, I think because tennis is, I was speaking to my mates about this the other day, um, because tennis is such an individual sport, you don't think that, you know, um, oh, Nadal, Nadal won the French Open. You don't think, oh, Spain won the French Open. No, but... You say that, but like, think about when Emma Raducanu won the US Open last year. Like, how much success she was as a British athlete, and how much success the country derived from that. Imagine, like, last year, for example, when when Djokovic won the when he won Wimbledon, he was presented the trophy by Kate Middleton by the royal family. And you know, what would it look like if Medvedev or Rublev won? And there was this Russian athlete being congratulated and given this trophy by part of the British royal family. It would look all wrong. I just, it's not something that we can support. And I, I think it's, I think it's bigger than tennis. I, I agree. I agree that it's bigger than tennis, but I don't think it has anything to do with them as people. And I don't, but I don't. It doesn't. I, I agree. Yeah. And I, I don't but think that they. It's, I don't it's, think it's more that than they that, should though. be. I don't think that they should be. Um, you know, punish for that. But I, yeah, I do agree. Like the thing is in situations like this, you've probably got to think, you know, literally thousands of people are just being killed. Like thousands of people, thousands of innocent people are just being murdered in their home country for no reason. So if someone has to lose, if it has to be a professional athlete who has 20 million in prize money, and if they don't get to play Wimbledon, and if it's literally for the, for the best, if this is going to make the situation better, then that's probably the best thing that can happen. It's just, I think my point of view is purely from a, 
just from a selfish tennis fan point of view, because I want to see them play. And that's probably not the best um, outlook or opinion to have. But that, that was my natural reaction. I think from not not having not having read all of the articles and actually delved a little bit deeper into it, just my initial feeling was like, oh no, why, why are you doing that? Like, do you know what I mean? I just, yeah. No, definitely, mate, definitely. That was my initial reaction too. I think the more, the more I read about it and the more I sort of, yeah, delve, delve a little bit deeper, the more I probably realise I think it is a good idea, but it's just my gut, it was, it was my gut reaction to just think, why? In in better news, uh, more exciting news, I think let's look at this week's tournaments. Let's have a little look back. Shall we start with the bigger tournament of the week, Barcelona? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, another great clay court tournament this week. A very stacked field, I thought, for, a, for an ATP 500 tournament. Another title for Carlos Alcaraz, his third of the year. He's also now cracked the top 10 for the first time in his career. He's now at a career high ranking of nine in the world, surpassing Norrie and Felix Auger-Eliassim in the process. Um, I mean, you just love to see it. I just love watching this guy win tennis games and win tennis tournaments. I, I, I could not agree more. Saving two match points in the semi-final against Alex Demenor that we had also, um, you know, we were, we were playing tennis yesterday and we decided it was going to be a drubbing. Literally, as we were leaving to start play, I said, yeah, I'm probably not going to bother watching the um, the Demenor match because he's probably going to beat him 6-2, 6-2. Three hours and 39 minutes and uh, two match point saves later, comes and wins it. So, yeah, brilliant win for him, that one. I mean, that shot, like an inside-out forehand down the line on match point where he's stretched all the way out there. and just 40-15 down. Yeah, just shows his, his athleticism, his power, his just like willingness to just go for it. Like he, 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 he his drop shot was on point this week, I thought. He really was so good. His drop shot, uh, I've said it once and I'll say it again, I think it's one of the most important weapons in his arsenal purely because it's one of the best in the game quality wise and also he knows when to use it he uses it in the in the perfect moments he catches people out and it's just great and I think um also another stat that I've been seeing doing the rounds on Instagram um was exactly 17 years ago to the day on Monday when the rankings come out 25th of April 2005 Nadal won Barcelona and came into the fir- into the top ten for the first time. That's exactly what Alcaraz is doing this week. How crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, was he twenty three and three on the year now? Um, I think what's most impressive, or not most pretty impressive, this week from this victory is the kind of bounce back after the disappointing outing in Monte Carlo the week before. Hmm. Um, we had a lot of reports in the press saying, "Oh, he can't handle the pressure." I mean, because after Miami, the expectations were ridiculous. Like people just assume he's going to win every single game because he looks like he's going to win every single game. But you know, for him to bounce back after losing in his first game on the, in that tournament in the second round, to come back to Barcelona this week, you know, to Beat Zitzapas, which was a brilliant game. Also, wasn't it in the quarterfinals? Um, defending the match points against Dimonor. Um, I mean, even in that third set against Dimonor, he, he he was 
three one up and he looked like you know this is game over and then Dimonor went to win three games in a row Rome went four three up and Alcaraz looked like he was just falling away and then to have that kind of composure and that, that strength of mind at his age to to come back and 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 when win that match with ease it's no mate he's he's so good and I've absolutely loved watching him this week he's definitely been if that's the game that's on you know that's the one I'm going to turn and tune into like he, he he's that sort of player he's he's the real deal he is he is honestly the real deal I I just three and zero head to head against it's a pass yeah so he beat he beat him um he beat for the first time last year he beat him in the US Open final set tie break um and then this year in Miami in straight sets um Miami round 16 and then yeah I I I mean I had Sits Pass winning the tournament I thought Sits Pass was going to beat him in the quarter final this year I thought I thought whoever won that quarter final would win the tournament definitely yeah. definitely and I did not see Alcaraz having to play a 3 hour almost 40 minute 3 hour 40 minute match in the semis I did not see that um, and what's and he came back out and won the final after doing that semi final earlier on in the in the day. I mean, there was a lot of rain in Barcelona this week, so there was two days, wasn't there, where a number of players had to double up in terms of um, in terms of games to play. So um, yeah, for him to be in that, so he looked so fresh when he came on the court against Egypt. Oh, he absolutely smashed PCB, didn't he? Karina he did. He did. He he final. almost spent five hours on court. That's you. You struggle to do that in two best of five set matches. You know, let let alone two just normal tour best of three. And I think what what really really impressed me was I watched I watched the whole of the. Um, the whole of the quarterfinal against Sitsipas. And he was 4-1 up in the second set. And I was sitting there with my mates and I was watching it and they were like, it's over. It's over. And I was like, yeah, it's over. And there was a tiny little bit in my head that said, no, don't don't say it's over because you know it might not be. But I had the confidence. I was like, yeah, he's, he's done it. He's done it. G-G. Yeah, literally. G-G. G-G. And then Sitsipas wins at 7-5. And... He kind of he kind of crumbled. He he did kind of crumble again because in the first set and a half, up and up until he was four one up in the second set, everything was on fire. The drop shot as well. He didn't sit past, didn't get a drop shot. It, it was it was just clean, clean winners from the drop shot. Didn't even get there. Some of them he didn't even run for. He just knew he was done. Just on that, just, what do you? What's more savage? Is it? When they play a drop shot, you run for it and you just just don't quite get there. Or do you prefer to hit a drop shot and they don't even bother running for it? Which one? Which one do you prefer? Um, when they don't even bother running for it. The disrespect. Because yeah, no, it's like it, it is disrespectful. Like they they know they can't get there because they've got such little confidence because you're doing it so well. Which was what happened. What was happening in the match. Sitspass knew he wasn't going to get there because he'd lost confidence because Alcaraz was playing the shot to such perfection. He played it on a break point to win to win the game on um, on Sitspass's serve, and he di- he didn't even didn't even bother going for it because he knew it was too good, and it was just disrespect. And what I thought was amazing about that match um, was that Alcaraz lost five, well, seven five after being four one up, basically having 
yeah, he had the had the match on his racket. Um, then he came back, just complete reset in the third set, complete reset. It's like he was starting the match again. It was literally like he was starting the match and he just went went all out and he just took it away from him. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Also, I love the stare down. The stare down at the end of the first set after Sits Pass blasts the ball, blasts the ball at him. Um, and he should have apologised for it afterwards, but he didn't. And I love a good stare down. There's not much more that, that, that I love than a good stare down in sport, especially in a, a 1v1 sport like tennis. It's so personal. The atmosphere was absolutely buzzing um, during that quarterfinal. It looked it looked brilliant under the lights there. Um, moving moving on, I mean, especially compared to recent tournaments, there was actually very few upsets in 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 Barcelona this week. Um, anyone else apart from Alcaraz who particularly stood out for you? Um, I actually, I think Carreño Buster actually to be honest, because um, I think previously, maybe I haven't given him as many dues as I should, you know, because he's um, you know, he's got a career high of number 10. He's got six titles, 13 million in prize money. He's, he's, he's an amazing tennis player. But I just, the way I feel about Karenio Buster is when people lose to him, say Schwartzman in the semis, he, I don't think he should be winning those matches, if you know what I mean, in terms of, capability and yeah just ability and talent and I, I thought he just yeah he played some amazing matches his his match against Casper Ruud in the quarters was absolutely ridiculous it's the best match point save I've seen this year the best match point save that's the one we watched just before we started tennis yesterday mm. um yeah. the volley I, I I did not know he had that I honestly I did not know he had that in him brilliant reaction wasn't it especially having lost an absolute heartbreaker in Miami where he had, um, I think, was it five five match points? I think against Corder? No, it was, it was against Sinner. It was against Sinner. It was against Sinner in Miami. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that, that, that was a heartbreaking match for him. And I think to, um, yeah, just to have the, just to have the state of mind to actually, to actually do it, it was really, really impressive. Um, I thought he played some great tennis, but he 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 got wrecked in the final by Akras, and we all saw, we all kind of saw it coming. Really, he he saw it coming because in in the um, in the in the trophy ceremony where they're drinking the champagne afterwards, he he, he looked happy. He looked happy for him. He did, didn't he? Actually, yeah. I mean, there's great camaraderie in within the Spanish tennis uh, elite community. I mean, I, I loved it after the game where. Alcaraz went and celebrated with his box. PCB went and chatted with his box, and then they uh, they swapped. They went and you know shook hands with the other players, coaches, and support staff, and it just just shows great class and is what you want to see at the end of a good tournament. Like this isn't it? It really is, and I think um, they have that respect for each other because also I think PCB he he he's he's a big fan of Alcaraz actually. I think he helped him a lot in his um, in his development. He used to train with him when he was younger and he used to go watch his um, um, matches. He used to go to, to like challenger tournaments with him as well. I know, I know he went to a few in Spain with him at least last year when he was still um, doing a little bit on the challenger tour. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been, he's been key to, to his success actually. And that's probably one thing for Karenio Busta, maybe two, three years ago when he was training with him, you know, when he wasn't a big deal and thinking he probably wasn't thinking in his head, 
three years' time, I'm going to lose to this guy in the Barcelona final, and there's nothing I can do about it. No, it, it really, in that final, there wasn't anything he could do about it, I, I didn't think. 6-3, 6-2, an hour and five minutes, just done. Just, just, just like, literally just, just cleaning up. He's cleaning up this year. He's got, yeah, he's, what is he? He's, he's got, um, he's got two 500s and a Masters this year. We're back on Darkrest again, are we? We just love it too much. Yeah. No, we can't help it. We we actually cannot help talking about this young man. And I love it. Yeah, so for me, I think I was um, probably the uh, biggest winner this week outside of the actual winner of the tournament. But uh, Alex Dimino, I think he'll be pretty happy with his week this week. Um, he's never actually reached a quarterfinal at a clay court main tour event before. So for him to reach the semi-finals here was a, was a good result. You look at his run; it was a relatively easy run in terms of, um, you know, he had the fortune of the walkover over Lloyd Harris in the third round, um, and he had a good win over Norrie as well in the quarters. But Norrie, that was one of the double game days, and Norrie had just finished playing a three and a half hour marathon with uh, Martin Fusevich earlier on that day. And you know he must have been absolutely knackered after uh, after that. And uh, I, you know, because I think Norrie had a good week, and I think if there hadn't been that rain delay and he'd had that day rest, you know, I think he probably would have taken Alex Dimon on that game. So yeah, you know, maybe being slightly fresher helped him out there. But you also feel he'd be gutted not to have taken his chance versus Alcaraz. I mean, two match points. Yeah, you got to you got to feel like you have to be taking those. So, um, yeah. Um, but all in all, a good week for him, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Anyone who you thought had a, um, I guess, pretty disappointing week? Um, to, to be quite honest, pro- probably not really. I mean, there's there's not like many players there who their performance reflected any different to what I expect from them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, because six pass against Alcaraz, I mean, I had six pass on for winning the tournament, but losing to Alcaraz in the semis, like that's not, I know it sounds savage, but that's not a bad result for him. No, Alcaraz you can't, is you can't call that a disappointment, can you? No. No, so. you, you can't. Honestly, no, I like a lot, a lot of the people who got to where they got is, it's actually what, like, it's what you expect seed wise as well. I think, yeah, I think the only one really would be, um, Nicolas Bachelasvili in the being the only kind of sort of um, seeded player to to not make that quarter fi- that corner final. The quarter final had seeds because this who was who was the second seed? No, not, there was one of the seeds pulled out. One of the top eight seeds pulled out. Uh, can't remember who that is off the top of my head, but otherwise it was seeds. It was like the top eight seeds apart from Bachelasvili, who was the number nine seed. He lost in his opening. Uh, game to um, Joan Munar. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I think it's Jaume. Jaume Munar. I'd imagine it would be Jaume Munar, but I've I've heard them pronounce it Jaume. Jaume Munar. Yeah, he lost to Jaume Munar in that second round game. You know, a, a player ranked outside the top 100 in the world. So, yeah, he'll probably be pretty disappointed that he's not really had a great run of form, actually. He's lost his past four games now. Um, he's very hot and cold. His only win in the past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games with a walkover win. So, yeah, 
Oh, that can't feel good. No, yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel good. Um, so, yeah, you know, talking of form, I think Felix will probably be pretty pleased. He's got to be. I mean, like, he was he was not in good form heading into this week. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's he, he was pushed in that opening game, I thought, playing against um, the young Spanish player, Carlos uh, Tabernier. It was actually a really good game and, you know, pushed into a third set and it was, it, it was close, two hours 47 total for the game. And I think Felix will be pleased having come through that and then beating TFO and um, eventually losing to Schwartzman in what was a what was a close game as well. So, mm. um, yeah, fingers crossed he can kick on and, and, and carry on, especially now he's been bumped down the, outside the top 10. Um, so yeah, good a good week in Barcelona. Uh, moving on to the other tournament in the on the ATP tour this week, it was the Serbia Open in Belgrade. Um, biggest storyline here: Djokovic back to winning ways again. Not obviously not the tournament. Congratulations to Rublev who who smoked him in that final set today in the uh, in the final, winning in three sets, six love. The old bagel action in the third set gave him a little bagel, but ultimately, I think Djokovic would be pretty would be pretty pleased with the week here. He's had, um, you know, he was just. I, I watched all his games this week, and all of them were just absolute marathons, weren't they? They, I mean, they he, were brutal. I mean, the first one he played against Laszlo Gera, three hours and twenty one minutes. Mate, that game was quality. It was a really good game. That was such a brilliant match. Three hours, 20, 21 minutes, then followed by two hours and 18 minutes, then followed by an hour and 59 minutes. That's just three matches leading up to the final. Mate, there was this point in the second set. Um, Sajera won the first set and it was 15-40 in a game that would have put him up 5-3. And he had, oh, it was an absolute gimme. He just had to put it down the line. Djokovic wasn't even going to run for it. And he would have gone up 5-3 in the second set, serving for the match. And he puts it into the net. And then, I mean, I think it just shows, like, what an unbelievable machine uh, Djokovic is. Because you just saw the change in his body language. Because he was he was walking around like he couldn't win a point. He was, you know, he had that sort of body language and demeanour where it's like, I just can't do it. And then, you know, Zara, he gets to fortune where Zara puts it into the net where he really shouldn't have. And... You know, he just went from being someone who couldn't win a point to coming back um, from what looked like a pretty unassailable deficit. I mean, I think missing out on all this time, it's things like the pressure points and like the big points where where you miss it. Because although he did come back to win and then he had that brilliant game against Kecmanovic in the following round and a, a decent game against um, Kachanov in, in the semis also, he wasn't as clinical as the Djokovic, say, of last year or of many years in his career because he was letting a lot of those points slide, but he's still digging out victories. And yeah, I've actually, I've actually really enjoyed watching him this week. Um, I think it's just interesting to see it where it's you're so used to watching Djokovic just steamroll opponents. But this week, you really had to see him grind, uh, really had to see him put in that effort to get those wins. And um, fingers crossed he can keep picking it up so we can have um, a really competitive French Open later on. 
Yep, I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, that point that you make about, um, you know, about him getting back to winning ways, if you think about it, this year, including this tournament, it's we're almost at the end of April and he's had five wins for the year. It's, it, you just don't like, that's, that doesn't happen. This same time last year, yeah, he, he, he had 13 wins this same time last year compared to five. He had 55 on the year and only, yeah, only seven losses. And he's had three this year already. And he's only played three tournaments. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think he was a little bit out, not out of shape, but he, he was just pushed so far this week and he must have spent so many hours on court. Um, and, you know, he said it himself, you know, he, he admittedly ran out of gas in that in that in that final set against Rublev today. You know, as he says, things are progressing slowly but surely. Paris is the big goal. Hopefully, by Paris, I'll be ready. He says so. Yeah, I I think he will. When it when it comes to the slams, he's just different gravy. It is, and um, that game against Ketchmanovic was quality. I mean, Ketchmanovic was definitely playing top twenty level. Like he was playing really really well, and he's playing the best tennis of his life. I mean, yeah, he's only, he's only going to get better as well. Like, um, it was yeah, a brilliant game. Um, and yeah, no, I, I'm 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 hoping that Djokovic can can hit that form for the French Open. I think that would be brilliant. I I think in the match against Rublev today, um, I think in the second set in the tiebreak, but just in the second set in general, I think it was sheer will that got Djokovic over the line. I don't think it was. I think it was muscle memory. For from all the winning he's done throughout these years, that it just kicked in. And then in the third set, he had nothing left physically because I don't, I just don't think, yeah, I think he's, I think he's suffering actually after COVID physically because there's no other way you can describe seeing him in that way physically other than something massive having to have happened, which is the COVID and the lack of, the lack of tour hardiness from not being there for the last four months consistently I mean you know because he's you you forget what it takes out of your body to have to win 55 matches in a year to have to keep defending those points and everyone expecting you to win these titles and actually doing it yeah I think I think it's the expectation isn't it really it's um is he it's it's you have to kind of skew what you kind of think of him now because he's just he's going to take a little while until he's back fully at full Djokovic level again, or you know, will he ever reach that level again? I don't, I don't know. So I think he will. It's um, it's definitely something to uh, to look out for. Good win for Rublev, uh, third third title of the year, and he just keeps plugging away, doesn't he? He keeps winning these these kind of smaller tournaments. Um, it was a pretty weak um, build, I thought this week in 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 Belgrade. Um, only two top ten players there. Um, but, you know, you can only beat the field that's in front of you. So good win for Rublev and um, he'll be hoping to kick on and and, and carry on that form as, as the season continues. You know, we've got a couple of big tournaments, two big master tournaments coming up and then, and then the French. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good, mate. Um, yeah, I loved watching Emma this week. It's her first WTA Tour clay event. Um out in Stuttgart, Germany, and it was a good week for her. She won a couple games and lost in the quarterfinals to Iga Swiatek, 
And there's just absolutely no shame in that because she is amazing. She is on a ridiculous win streak, four straight tournaments, 23 matches, I believe. believe She's the best player in the world right now. 23 straight wins. Um, And I was going into that game and I was like, oh, um, I don't really want to watch because I don't really want to watch Emma get battered. But she put up a really good fight and there was some proper quality rallies in there, losing in the end 6-4, 6-4. Definitely nothing to be ashamed of there. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully Emma can continue this sort of, you know, she's been plagued by injuries so far. So it was good to see her put a bit of a run together, silence some of the doubters. And I'm just looking forward to carrying on watching her as um, as the season continues, see what she can do in the build-up to Wimbledon, really, because I think that's probably the big one she's got circled, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm um, I'm, I'm quite excited, actually, um, for for Wimbledon. I think just to sort of, just just actually just to see what um, Shriantep can do there. Because you know, uh, she's... She's a, I believe she's a, a, a junior Wimbledon champion. Um, last, last, last time she played, as uh, Jean-Tec played against Raducanu, was at the Wimbledon Juniors, where Jean-Tec batted her 6-1, 6-1. So I guess 6-4, 6-4 is a big improvement. Wow. Very yeah. nice. Very nice That's indeed. 2016, 2017. Yeah. A little while ago. That's crazy, isn't it? You can't imagine that. Just being the case, you just can't imagine. I always think it's crazy when these when people play each other as in, in as juniors, juniors and and then now oh, yeah we're playing on the big time a few years later. I think it's I think it's great. It's amazing. I mean, I watched I can't remember when it was. I watched a a match of Richard Gasquet against Rafael Nadal when they were both fifteen or like fourteen or something like that, and the stroke production from both of them looks exactly the same. And you're just thinking about the wildly different careers they both had. It, yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, so should we give our predictions for Munich and Estoril next week? What do you think? Yeah, I think we can have a little look over there. You, should we start with Estoril? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, the big seeds in this tournament, Estoril, Portugal... Felix Auger Aliassime, number one seed. Dominic Team back in there as a wild card. Good to see him. Obviously, he lost his opening game, didn't he, at uh, Barcelona last week? Although that signature, it was great to see that signature backhand. Ah, oh, it was it was amazing. One of your favourites, I bet. Uh, Diego, your boy, short king, second <laughs> seed. Um, yeah, not the strongest field. You know, you have to feel... I don't even feel like Auger Aliassime is a particular favourite, even though he is the number one seed. Um, Davidic Fakina, fourth seed, he might have another chance to put a run together this week. Yeah. Uh, it'd be good to see that. Maybe Albert ramos last sixth seed, he's got uh, he's got a nice little run in there as well. So Who's going to win it? Who's going to win it? I'm going to go Diego Schwartzman. I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm I'm going to go Diego Schwartzman as well. He's he's knocking on the door. He's had some good results this year and he's come close, but he's not quite got there. You know, he's had finals, he's had semi-finals. He beat Felix last week. Yeah, it's leading it's leading up it's leading up to the biggest tournaments of the clay court season, and uh, yeah, I, I think he can do it. He's he's not got you know it's not a walkover run, 
but they're not some massive players in there. Um, you know, you could possibly face Chilic, Gasquet, um, Cuevas, Pear, Vinolas. I don't know. That's that's only in his half. But um, yeah, I reckon he's having it. And with with Munich again, slight actually a slightly stronger field, I'd say. But yeah, I would say. Um, obviously got Zverev, number one seed there. Casper Ruud, second seed. He'll be looking to to go a bit further again. I think you know quarterfinals was was okay, but you know again, I feel like he feels he should have done a bit better than that last week in Barcelona. Um, looking at the draw, I think someone who's got really good chance of getting into the quarters, if not the semis, is that man I mentioned earlier, Miramir Kachmanovic. He's got a really quite favourable draw. At the moment, he's got to play um, Reberg, um, the German wild card, ranked 1,000 in the world. So, yeah, that's probably a nice, easy game to start with. Um, but then the only seed, um, the top the top four seed in his bracket is Bachelas, really. And what we said earlier, he's, he's really not in the best form. So it's a relatively easy run for him through to the semifinals where he'd probably play Rude. Uh, which would also be uh, be a good game. So, yeah, I'm that's sort of the person I'm circling there who I think probably as a, as a lower rank could make a decent run. Who's winning the tournament? You know what? I'm going to go one further. Ketchmanovic. He's going to win. He's going to win it. He's going to win it, mate. Me and me, Ketchmanovic. He's winning it. He's winning them. Bold claim, but you got to go for it. I mean, you know, smaller tournament. You know. Zarev and Rude, obviously the two big favourites here, but again, I like, I just think Kitchmanovic is playing really, really well right now. Are you sure you're not going to go for Christian Garin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your what's your guy called again? What's your guy called? I don't even remember his name. I don't remember, yeah, he's so irrelevant. I can't yeah, TG. I remember his name. Talent Greek Sport. Is he retired now, mate? After that, yeah, after yeah, that he's win, retired, mate. he's retired he's after the. the he just completely tenant, doesn't he? Um, I, I, I think Zverev's going to win it. Um, I've said he's going to win the past probably three tournaments purely because I'm confused why he isn't. You're such a big fan, so that's that's, that's probably it. What's that? I said you're such a big fan. That's probably it. That's probably it. I'm a, I'm a massive Zverev fan. I just want him to win every tournament. I I don't actually. Um, as we as we know very well, I'm not the biggest fan of that man. But um, I, I just also it's at home. It's at home. I think he's. I can't remember exactly how many titles he's got at home. Let's have a little look. He has one, two, three, four. He's got four titles at home. Two of them in Munich. So um, yeah, I think I've said literally the same thing over the past four tournaments. You know, I think, you know, it's the classic. I think he's, you know, got something to prove, all that sort of stuff. This time it's going to happen. One other person I've got um, circled there, not not to win it or not to make a particular run, but um, the Finn player, Emil Rusevori. Oh, yeah. Uh, he had a good week last week. He's moved up 11 places in the rankings to a new career high, 62 in the world, after losing in the third round in Barcelona. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can carry on that sort of um, form he's not really doesn't really do well on clay courts historically so um, it'll be interesting to see him play this week as well yeah yeah I completely agree and um, again it's one of these weeks that sort of feels like it just sort of I know floats there 
it didn't really feel yeah. like that with Barcelona, I think, because it was 500 and because, you know, Nadal usually plays it, that he usually gets draws a bigger crowd uh, of, of players anyway, top-ranked players. Um, and I think maybe the fact that Ankaraz was playing, it made it more exciting. Um, but yeah, definitely this week with um, Estoril and, and Munich, not not the biggest tournaments, but it's sort of like a little, a little dip before we get going with Madrid. Definitely already got an eye on Madrid the following week. So 100%. That's going to be an absolute crackerjacker. So I can't wait. I I I'm I'm so I'm so excited for it. I think there's going to be some cracking matches there and uh N- Nadal's actually um aiming to be back from Madrid, which I think is yeah, I did not expect that. That's what Tony Nadal said anyway. He's aiming to be back. Talking about returns from injuries um recent reports and news have shown it looks like it might be a bit of a setback for Daniel Medvedev in terms of how likely he is to play at the French Open this year. Um, He's confirmed his attendance for the um, Dutch grass tournament. Could you help me with the pronunciation there, Hector? I believe it's Hertogenbosch. I don't really know what's going on with the S and the hyphen at the start. Stogenbosch, maybe I, I I don't know. We need we need we need a Dutch person to come on the pod and help us. Maybe uh, maybe Talon get 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 on here, Talon. The uh, your boy, um, yeah. The Libema Open, which starts the day after the French Open, uh, the, the week after the French Open, and he's confirmed his attendance to there. So is that is that a sign that maybe he's not going to be playing the French Open if he's already agreed to play there? Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but. Um, I guess he's got to get as much grass court. It would be one play some some grass court tennis the season, as he won't be able to be playing any of the English tournaments. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think I think I agree. And um, you know, he he won the Mallorca Open last year on grass, so he's he's already got some, you know, some some silverware on that surface. And um, yeah, I just. <clears throat> Is he? Do you know if he signed up to to play any of the the other grass grass court events this year? Maybe Haller. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he is. I mean, I I just. I imagine I imagine he'll be playing Haller if he if he's playing Hatogenbosch, he'll be playing Haller. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't really call it right now. Um, because I don't know. I think if I was him, I'd prefer to, you know, sa- save the body and be okay for the rest of your career rather than, you know, sort of jump the gun and get back into it and injure yourself again. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, closing thoughts. I think the Barcelona trophy is pretty cool. I think it's an absolute beast. See the size of that. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute monster, mate. What, one thing I thought, I saw the comparison photos between um, between Nadal and Alcaraz lifting it 17 years apart. And I thought, Alcaraz is lifting it a little bit higher. You know, he's had a bit more energy. Had a bit more energy after that. Big, big boy. Lifting the guns, getting them going. Mate, his legs are denser. Slow mo's, there's ultra slow mo's when he's like sliding across the clay. His legs are ridiculous. You forget how much of an athlete he is. Like you, you say he's 18, but when you actually think about what you were doing when you were 18, I, I, it's just not. It's just not a fair comparison. It's not. It's not a fair comparison. It, yeah, no, that's an absolute beastly trophy. Not not quite Davis Cup level, but. Um, yeah, that one's a monster. What else? What other trophies are absolutely huge, like ridiculously? Um, 
thing. The Madrid trophy, not big, but I think it's quite funny how it looks. Quite long, isn't it? It looks like a like a DNA sort of model, doesn't it? Isn't that the one that like goes round? So it looks sort of looks like a um. No, no, it looks like um. I thought it literally looked like a um, like a Brussels sprout. You know, like how Brussels sprouts grow in the field. That's how it looks. Okay, yeah, that's weird. That's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, I was that. No, that's a um, that that wasn't what it was last year. But I think that must be the new one for this year. Because previously it's um it's been it sort of looks like a it's like a gold sort of like rod with some like sticks like pointing out of it. It's 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 a it's it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one to describe, but it definitely didn't look like that thing. Where whatever that weather that, <laughs> that thing's weird. <laughs> nah, that thing doesn't look right. You you you've got to find the actual one, mate. That one's I th- is that a joke? I don't know. I don't know. But that, yeah, that's a weird one. There's some, there's some other absolutely beastly ones out as well. I quite like the French Open. Maybe we should do a podcast on, well, not a whole podcast, but just mention some of our favourite trophies because there's some great ones out there. I quite like the Hamburg. I quite like Paris. A whole, a whole podcast on it, on our favourite trophies. Yeah. All right, mate. Yeah. We'll, we'll rank every single one, I think. That, yeah. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, this is going to be the biggest podcast we've done yet, mate. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the three-hour special. You guys wait for it. Yeah, don't worry about it. You asked, we gave. No one. D- d- didn't ask, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, well, perfect. Anything else? or I think uh, I think that's all she wrote. Sure and sweet, mate, yeah. Not much going on in a couple of weeks. We're just waiting to get stuck into it again for the old... Madrid Masters. So, um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you. We'll catch you again next week. Awesome! Cheers. See you later, mate. Bye, mate. Bye.